0: Well, good morning. It's a joy once again to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. Today we want to talk about holiness. And so what is holiness, and what does it mean to live it out in our lives? So Holiness, I want to say, right from the start, is not an option for us. So how do we remain holy without living in a whole? That's kind of a play on words, but how do we remain holy without living in a hole, in a holy huddle? Let me say right at the outset that I'm not an expert in this area. We are not experts in this area. It doesn't mean we have it all sorted out, but we're journeying just like you in this area, in this subject. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to 2 Timothy 2? This is going to be our reading this morning. I'll put it on the screen also. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version this morning. we am reading from verse 14. Paul is writing to Timothy, and his desire is that he be set apart for the work of God. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God. Not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hermanius and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 20. Now in a house, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, A question. What is the purpose of a vessel? The ESV talks about vessels, the NIV articles. Look at verse 20 and verse 21. There are two types of vessel one is for honorable purposes, and one for dishonorable purposes, which which is made from the wood and the clay. Dishonorable purposes. Dishonorable, well, it means the opposite of honorable. So, what might a dishonorable vessel look like? Can you think of what a dishonorable vessel looks like? What's this? Can you? It's a spittoon, yes? You see them in bars, you see them in rugby matches. Not a very nice thing. What? Can you help me? What about this one? It's the clean version. A bedpan, again, not very attractive, not a very honorable thing. And this one. So, what do you think of when you see these things? For me, it's the word dirty, disgust, smelly, makes me feel sick. But then we come to honorable vessels and purposes. Can you think of an honorable vessel? What comes to mind when you look at the communion table? The plates. These have been set apart for a good purpose. When you see these things, for me the word reverence comes to mind. Grace. Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Remind me of good things. The things on the table have been set apart For a good purpose, an honorable purpose. And we are called to be vessels for honorable purposes. But to be a vessel used for honorable purposes, something has to happen. Look at verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as wholly useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Listen, we need to get rid of those things that make us unclean and grasp at those things that reflect a clean heart, a clean life. So what does a clean vessel look like? We've got some clues in, our, in today's passage. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So for the rest of this message, I, we are going to presume that you want to be clean vessels, yes? Yes? I hope so. <laughs> well, the first thing you need to, to have a clean vessel, to be clean, you need to be saved. You need to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And the second thing you need, we will see shortly, is you need to be sanctified, holy. So what does... What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be sanctified? If I asked you what God's purpose was in saving you, I wonder, how would you answer? You see, we often focus on how we were saved, what we must do to be saved, when we were saved. But what, what about why? Why were you saved? Well, I think there's more than one correct answer to this. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, his begotten Son, simply because he loves us. Ephesians 1 comes to mind, verse 6. He saved us for the praise of his name. But what about this reason? God saved you so that you might be holy. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I think J.I. Packer, uh, he's a British-born Canadian, christian theologian Um, i think many of you would know him one of his most famous books was knowing god and he says this in reality holiness is the goal of our redemption as christ died in order that we may be justified so we are justified in order that we may be sanctified and made holy see this was god's plan for his people in the old testament Remember Exodus 19.6, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We as Christians are to live out this same priestly order, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. So when we grasp this, that holiness is why we've been saved, we see why it is so significant. You see, holiness is one of those central themes in Scripture, and it occurs over 600 times. You have no idea how long it took me to choose a passage this morning. Because when you take the word holy and all its derivatives, sanctification, holiness, there are over 700 mentions of this word. Listen, you can't make sense of Scripture without understanding that God is holy. And this holy God is intent on making His people a holy people, to live with Him in a holy heaven. And the whole system of Israel's worship revolved around holiness. You have a holy people. They were the priests. You have holy garments, clothes, a holy land, Canaan, a holy place, the tabernacle, the temple, holy days to be celebrated, holy utensils, holy objects, so that they might become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. At its most basic, the word holy means set apart. God is separate and distinct. He's not ordinary or common or dishonorable. We are called to be holy because he is holy. Our holy God sets us apart to live in a way that reflects, however imperfectly, his holiness. 1 Peter 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. I think we're all familiar with this, or um, uh, two concepts of definitive holiness and progressive holiness in other words holy is what we are and holy is what we must become but what exactly are we trying to become god saved us to be holy we understand that we've got that we must be holy as god is holy And we are set apart to serve God, and that sounds good, but what exactly does holiness look like? Let me say, holiness is not mere rule-keeping. The Pharisees were really good at that. They had their sanctification checklist. But it didn't take into consideration the matters of the heart, the idols of the heart. And it's not going back to a previous generation standard of what how they defined holiness i think past even to one generation ago or two some of you can think back two generations how was holiness defined for some holiness was defined by not drinking not watching television on the sabbath when i became a christian i couldn't play cards on the sabbath it was irreverent it was the wrong thing to do in my Yes, I guess in my early years as a Christian, it was about conformity to certain uh, norms that someone else had deemed were the norms at that particular time and place. So again, how do we live holy and free? So what is holiness? I've put four scriptures on the screen. Let me read them to you and see if you can pick out the common theme. 1 Chronicles 16:29 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come before him worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness 2 Chronicles 20:21 20, After consulting the people Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Psalm 29 verse 2 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 96 verse 9 Worship the Lord. In the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Well, what's the underlying theme here? What's the word that runs through it? Splendor. Splendor. Now, can you think of another name for splendor? Another name for splendor is beauty. Beautiful. Something that's beautiful. Holiness is something beautiful. I couldn't help but putting a Scottish scene up this morning. But you see, holiness is something beautiful. And that helps me understand my attitude towards it, or my perception of it, and my approach to it. I'm someone who's attracted to beautiful things. Aren't you? Yes? I hope you're attracted to beautiful things and we should all be naturally drawn to something that is beautiful like holiness worship the lord in the beauty of his holiness a lifestyle of holiness is a place where beauty knows no bounds we know that something though something beautiful can easily be turned into something ugly because of our sinful nature and the broken world we live in. Love, which is a beautiful thing, can very quickly become lust and become destructive. It can easily be corrupted. And we're we're drawn by beauty, but we remain in that state of appreciating it as beauty and not um, corrupting it. So first of all, Holiness is something beautiful. Secondly, it is the renewal of God's image in us. You know, we are called to be God's image bearers. Genesis 9, verse 6, James 3, 9. But because of sin, that image has been distorted. The goal of sanctification is the renewal of this image. We are being transformed into the image of God from one degree to another. This is in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is a lady who we work with. She's actually one of our bosses. She's international director of WEC International, along with her husband, Lewis Sutton. And Lewis has spoken here. He spoke here just last year. She's authored many books. And this is her latest one, Design a Living. We brought 10 copies along. If you are interested in it, then you can see Bessie. He'll be down in the library later. And they're going for $10 this morning. But let me quote. She talks about holiness and about being God's image bearers. Let me quote from... Her book. We are designed to bear a similar family likeness from the very first God-breathed souls on earth. Humans were intended to belong to God, to believe him and to bear Him his image by reflecting his character and his words in the world. When people look at us, they should see the resemblance. They should notice a likeness to the one who made us. Not an external, external physical likeness, of course, but an internal likeness of spirit and of character. When we speak, we should sound increasingly like our Heavenly Father as our words reflect things we have heard Him say to us throughout the years. Well, Susan then goes on to focus on various aspects of God's character that should be seen in us, including holiness and righteousness. And she highlights a problem we face. She says, There is a right and a wrong way to live. But to suggest so is not politically correct in today's world. God's justice is in vogue, but his holiness is out of fashion, even sometimes in the church. And I agree with that at at times. I wonder what your reaction was this morning when you saw the title Holiness, or you saw it in the bulletin last week pastor asked me a few weeks ago what was going to be the title of of today's sermon. And I racked my brains. I'd been thinking, well, I could be clever. I could try and find something catchy, more catchy than holiness. You know, it's looking like your passport picture or trying to be clever. But in the end, I said holiness. Decided to leave it as it was. So there was no question as to what we were talking about this morning. So what are we to do? What does it mean for us to live holy lives? What does holiness look like? Well, it's it's Christ-likeness, isn't it? The whole goal of our salvation is that we should be conformed to the image of God's Son. And he is our model for love, our model for humility, our model for facing temptation. He's our model for steadfastness in the midst of suffering, our model for obedience to the Father. And and we see all the virtues of holiness perfectly in Christ. Again, he was always gentle, but never soft. Bold, but never brash. Pure, but never prudish. He was full of mercy, but not at the expense of justice. He was full of truth, but not at the expense of grace. In everything, he was submissive to the Father, and he gave everything for his sheep. Image-bearing is possible because the gospel message includes a liberating truth, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. The first, holiness is something beautiful, which is the image of God in us. And thirdly, it is living in Christ, it is Christ in us. And that little word, in, holds so much significance. We cannot do this by self. I think you know Galatians 3. I've I've inserted PPH there. Put your name there. You foolish Galatians, PPH members, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again, I ask, does God give his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? In other words... Are we living in the reality of Christ in us? Or have we gone back to self-effort, trying harder, trying to be who God wants us to be? Remember that, that little word, in. 1 Corinthians 30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, As it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Well, this is the very center of God's revelation of the way of holiness. He is holy and his holiness is his. He makes holy by coming near. His presence is holiness. In Christ's life, holiness has been made one with true human nature. In his death, every obstacle has been removed. That could prevent the giving of that holy nature to us. Christ has truly become our holiness.
1: So, if we understand then that our position in Christ is what makes us holy then how do we accept that and maintain it through our lives? You know, I think sometimes we think of holiness as something that's out of our reach. It's something that's, that's yeah, for those who are pastors or missionaries, they get to be the holy people, not, not us ordinary people. But that's not true, because just as Wayne has said, when we are living in Christ and Christ is living in us, then holiness is what our everyday lives can and should be. So how can we live out what God means and has provided for us in this phrase, we are holy in Christ? Well, the first thing I think is to remember that it's, this is a thing of faith, not of feeling. Put your hand up if you feel holy this morning. Well, that's a good start. And if we did feel holy, I would ask you to turn to uh, somebody who lives with you and ask them uh, whether they feel you're holy, because it's as we live in relationship with each other that we realize actually, yeah, we see our sin, don't we? We're so aware of it. When I am not holy, when I can do nothing to make myself holy, when I feel ashamed of myself, just then is that moment when we turn away from we se- ourselves and we quietly see, I am in Christ. You know, if you take a dirty cloth, I have a, I have a cloth at home that I use for cleaning uh, jewelry, especially silver jewelry. And you know, all you ladies know that um, silver here in Singapore gets tarnished really quickly. So this cloth that I have is really, really black. Now, if I look at it in the light of these spotlights, it looks absolutely awful. Now, if I went into a cupboard with no light on, closed the door and looked at the cloth, would I see the dirt? No, when you look at something, when everything's black around you and you're looking at a black cloth, you don't see the dirt. It's just a piece of cloth. But when you're in the light, you see the dirt. And in a sense, you know, when we're living in Christ, when we're living in the light of his word, we become much more aware of the areas in our lives where we're not holy. And So if you feel discouraged, don't be. As as Christ draws us into his light more and more as we're living in his light, yes, he's going to expose the areas that need transforming. The second thing is to remember that it's of the Holy Spirit. God hasn't placed and planted us in Christ and then left us to maintain our holiness. What God gives, he continues with a never-ceasing giving. You know, the scripture says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. There's, a, there's an American um, uh, Christian band called Cademan's Call, and in one of their songs, they say, you won't plan the end and not provide the means. God has promised us that he will present us holy and blameless before the Lord. So if that's the end, he must provide the means for us to get there. Actually, the version of that verse that I love, I was sharing with our CG on Friday night. There's one version that says, he will present us holy without wrinkle. Yes, that's the version I'm holding on to. Thirdly, the other thing to remember is that this is a, because it's the work of the spirit and the spirit is drawing us closer to christ that this christ is a living lord and savior and so it's the power of a dynamic living relationship that's at work this is what becomes the spring of helping us to live holy lives we are not alone christ is living in us but it's not it's a dynamic relationship it's christ speaking to us it's christ working in us so what is the result then of us living in christ well i've got a fairly long quote for you here but uh, i hope you'll you'll uh, realize its significance growth for the christian is growth in christ likeness this is what wayne was saying it's about that image of christ being restored in us as a christian matures spiritually is progressively uh, becoming holy he begins to think less of himself and more of Christ. He begins to think of his reputation in the eyes of others only as it relates to the reputation of the Christ he reveals to the people who cross his path every day. He speaks less about what he's doing and more about what God is doing. His choices are increasingly shaped by a desire to honor and reflect Christ. Relationships are increasingly shaped by the love of Christ that is growing within a soul more and more conformed to the image of Christ. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Think about some of your recent conversations with friends or family or fellow church members here. Did they center around you? Or did they center around Christ? Do you worry more about what people think about you? Or what they think about the Christ that they see <clears throat> in you? You know, all of us, I think we live in a in a culture that is incredibly image conscious, don't we? And, um, yeah, you know, years of living in Africa didn't do anything really to break that in me because... You know, I actually looked quite good compared to the people around me. You know, I I had clean water that I could use. I could wash myself. I could go to the market and buy a nice piece of African cloth and have a dress made and wear a new dress and feel really good. Well, living in Singapore for five years has done a lot more for breaking uh, my my probably over-obsession with image for various reasons. Firstly, Um, I stand at the bus stop for five minutes in the morning and I look like a drowned rat by the time I get on that bus. Um, But I get on the bus and there are all these um, young women, uh, beautifully dressed, um, with immaculate hair and makeup and high heels, and I barely manage to get out of the house looking human in the morning. Um, Then I go shopping and... um, yeah, if I can afford the clothes, uh, I walk into a dress shop and the, um, the assistant looks me up and down and says, no, have your size. <laughs> so I feel like an elephant. Um, I have sh- uh, large feet, even by European standards. So finding shoes that fit... I, I feel like I walk with bolts on my feet sometimes. Um, yeah, And then I, I go to a, a beautician and... Um, Singaporeans are quite direct, aren't they? Um, and the beautician looks at me and says, so, so what worries you more, the, the wrinkles or the black circles? <laughs> I think, wow, okay, Lord, you're teaching me a lot here. Um, yeah, am I more concerned about what people think about me? Uh, am I more concerned about how I look outwardly? Or am I really concerned about what people see of Christ? In me you know a friend once told me um, about uh, a conversation she had with her daughter before she went off to university and um she wrote on a card for her daughter to take with her and stick on the back of her door in her dorm room so that whenever she left the dorm she was reminded of this this little phrase today you go into the world not to show who you are but to show whose you are I found that so helpful. This is not about, yeah, you know, life is not about who people think of when they see, you know, who is Miriam, but it's about people seeing me, people encountering me, and encountering Christ. So, what's our role in this? If we think about, yeah, Christ in me, the, uh, this is what we're living out. Is there, what part do I have to play? in becoming more Christ-like, being restored to being an image-bearer. Is there a part for us to play? Well, yes, undoubtedly, yes. It's about bringing our will into conformity with God's. It's about our thinking and our practice. But the danger here is that we very quickly find ourselves being drawn back into wanting a list. You know, Wayne talked about the Pharisees, and actually there's a Pharisee, element in all of us wouldn't you like us just to give you a list that you take away today and say okay do these 10 things and you'll be holy that would be so much easier wouldn't it and we all are drawn to that kind of that kind of prescriptive yeah don't do this wear this don't say this use these words but it's not about that holiness is not about following a list of rules It's about becoming increasingly Christ-like. So what I um, don't want to do is is go on to give you a list now, but there are some things that we need to do in order to uh, work with the Holy Spirit in that transformation. It's about our position and our practice. So our position is, yes, we are holy in Christ. Our practice is that gradual formation of Christ's character in us having entered into faith in this new life in christ we are then called to grow in such a way that our practice how we live every day conforms more and more to our position of being holy in christ and this is that divine human process where there is that gradual transformation into christ-like character it's a balance between dependence and discipline. So, yes, we come just as we are, as we sang, but then there are also things that we do. It's that dis- divine sovereignty and human responsibility. There's another um, phrase that often is used to describe this, this, uh, these two elements one's called exchanged life spirituality and disciplined spirituality. So the exchanged life spirituality is Galatians 2:20. You know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and that's the abiding leads, leads to obedience. But then there's the discipline life spirituality, where uh, we, obedience leads to abiding. And in a sense, we need both truths. It's like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, we need to live in the light of God's word. We need to be reading scripture. We need to be in fellowship with others. Um, Yeah, so these are two sides of the same coin. So just to finish, I I want to leave you with three words that might help you as you think about, okay, what do I need to do in response to this? What is God saying to me about my perspective on holiness, on where I am, and on where he wants to work so the first word is rest you know this is the first time the first time that the word holy is used in scripture is in Genesis in reference to uh, the Sabbath yeah where it says God rested God created the Sabbath that's the first time that the Hebrew word for holy is used there is a rest in holiness It is the soul that ceases from its own efforts and rests in him who has finished all for us. This is union life. This is Christ in us. There's a resting in that. That's quite a contrast from the way that most of us think about holiness, really. Resting, not striving. And I want to bring this back to the the word that Wayne shared earlier about beauty, When you think about um, somebody who you think of as being really beautiful, what is it about them that makes them beautiful? When I think about that word, this is the lady that comes to my mind. Her name is Flora. Uh, She now has Parkinson's disease, uh, quite advanced Parkinson's, and isn't really able to have a conversation anymore. She isn't what the world would define as beautiful, But that's exactly the word that comes to my mind when I think about her. And here's why. Because Flora is at rest. She isn't trying to prove anything. She isn't making a reputation for herself. She isn't trying to impress people with who she knows or what she knows. She is sure of who she is. She is in Christ and she's resting in that the second word I want us to think about is presence. Actually, these three words, this is the first three times that holy is used in Scripture. So the second time is, with, is the word presence. And again, this is used when Moses encounters God at the burning bush. You know, and, and God says to Moses, take off your shoes because this is holy ground. What makes it holy ground is that because God is there it's God's presence that makes holy. And again, this brings us back to Christ in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. His presence is what makes holy. And for Moses, you know, it was the burning bush. It was something detached from him that was holy. For the Israelites, holiness was in the holy of holies within the tabernacle. And then in in Exodus 25, God says, And let them make for me a holy place that I may dwell among them. And we're living out the fulfillment of that because Christ is living in us. And his presence in us makes us holy. It's our calling as believers to be God's holy temple. But we need to choose to live in his presence. And that means living in the light of his word, allowing him to search us, asking him to reveal to us where transformation is needed. And then the last word is possession. And here it's used um, in, again, in Exodus 13 with the setting apart of the firstborn. And God says, redeem every firstborn amongst your sons, consecrate them to me. Consecrate them means holy, set them apart. And this is the key, one of the key aspects of holiness as well. We are to be God's possession. We are to be set apart for Him, just as Wayne said at the beginning. It's about bringing the whole of our life, every part of it, into submission to the rule of this holy God. So the link between redemption being set apart in holiness is obedience our will becoming subject to his you know so often in scripture it says if you hear my voice and keep my covenant or in in the new testament he who has ears to hear let him hear it's about a living relationship where we hear god and we respond to him are we living in obedience you know, when I hold on to a hurt from the past, is that obedience? When I'm envious of the success of someone else, is that obedience? I mean, we know the answer, don't we? And yet we resist. We cover it up. We think, well, that yeah, I make excuses. But what does it mean for us to be truly God's possession? It means that we've given everything over to him. Is God an important part of our lives? Or is he our life? So I've put up three questions that I want you to just sit and meditate for on a moment. And then when you're ready, you can just feel free to leave and go downstairs. But just take some moments to read through these. Are we resting in all that Christ has done for us? Resting in the truth that we are holy In Christ are we choosing to live in his presence in the light of his word allowing him to search us and show us where transformation is needed are we bringing the whole of our life every part into submission to the rule of God are we fully wholly his possession let's just pray before we meditate on these things father thank you that you are a holy God and you have made us to be a holy people. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ, that his work in us is what makes us holy. But now, Lord, we want to bring ourselves into your light and ask you, Lord, to speak to us about where we need to bring our lives into submission to your will in order that you make us holy. In Jesus' name. Amen.